Welcome to Why Though. We're your hosts, Tiffany Bloom and Ashley Abercrombie. We land somewhere in between Mother Teresa and Biggie Smalls, and we're just wondering, why though? We all have questions, from our existential crisis curiosities to our, hey girl, why your eyebrows look so good though? And we want to tackle all of those questions with you. Welcome back to Why Though. We are in the middle of a faith and politics series, which we are so encouraged to see is blessing you and helping you navigate your relationships and helping you navigate this crazy time that we are living in here in America. And I'm confident those listeners that we have around the world, you are also watching with anticipation about what's going on here. And it's been wonderful to discuss issues with you guys in DMs. And thank you for just checking in and sharing what you love and sharing what's been meaningful to you. It really helps us serve you, which is our deepest desire. We want to create content and create conversations that are really blessing you and helping you in your actual real life. So before we get into our topic for today, which is a good one, I needed to tell you guys (laughs) the funniest thing that's ever (laughs) happened to me. And by far, this is the most unprofessional thing that I have ever done (laughs) in my entire life. So you guys... You know, 2020 is the year of online conferences. I'm sure that you've noticed online, everybody is hosting different conferences and doing different things like that. All the things we used to do in real life have moved to digital spaces. And so I turned in a talk for this conference called Imperfectly Perfect, which is actually happening this week. And it's a great conference. Like I'm super excited about being a part of it. And I'm doing a talk on, you know, how to raise justice-minded children. And so I recorded this talk and y'all uploaded it. I turned it in. Hold on. Can we just say, can we just say how great your outfit was? I mean, at least the top half. You were looking fierce. Oh, thank you. Yes. There was a cheetah blazer happening. Mm -hmm. There was some Uh really well-picked jewelry and a real nice Uh white tank. I mean, mm-hmm. girl, and your hair was on fleek. I was, I was uh-huh. a fan. I just want to say it Thank was you. a big fan. Thank you so Again, much. Again, you probably wear pajamas on bottom, but the top. I did. I most definitely had fun. on some Target shorts for, I just paint for the pajamas picture. on the bottom. <laughs> I was looking like a mullet in an outfit. It was very special. <laughs> and so I get an email back from the conference organizer, <laughs> you guys, and she's like, "Wow, this talk is really great. You know, the first part was so encouraging, and then she's just like." hey, we have one tiny little problem. There is a naked child who makes an appearance at four minutes and two seconds. And then she writes, he sticks around for a few scenes. (laughs) So as a professional person who does this for a living, I sent in a video message with my naked potty training child in the background. He was having a stick war with his brother. You can see his butt is full moon exposed, you guys. I mean, it is just like, it is next level the nakedness. And I turned this in without a thought in the world, without a care in the world. I did see him because I have huge windows in my in my house, in my bedroom where I was recording and I saw him run around the front side, but I had no idea. He was actually in the shot on the backside. (laughs) Oh, we saw his backside. All right, girl. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Tiffany got the full clip. I sent it to her just so we could laugh about it together. So here's the thing, utter humiliation. It's one of these things when you see something run by in the background and you're like, no, that's not what I saw. Right. And then it comes, you're like, that is definitely what I saw. Here Uh it is. There is no mistake. Uh-uh. And the best part is she's just going for it, talking about justice uh-huh. and wholeness mm-hmm. and parenting and, like, giving it her all. But mm-hmm. I can guarantee you that nobody would hear that with all the, 
with all the no. show going on in the back. It was perfect. No, it was he the best. Was it was naked as and a girl. Jacob. The fact that it was for a parenting <laughs> conference is even better. <laughs> it's and thank God, right, that it wasn't like a recovery message or like you know yeah. I don't even know all the other things I've done this year that this was the right one for it to land on. So that was very good. And the yes. conference organizers being very kind. We've actually grown very close. We we have an unbreakable bond now because <laughs> yeah, you everyone, do. Her and the editor have seen my naked children. So there you go, guys. <laughs> Just Not children, just child. Please moment. don't think you had both kids just running around naked there. Oh, that's true. One I of promise them was just one. Right. Well, it's not uncommon in this house, so okay. you know. <laughs> I get it, though, man. Boys. Boys. Oh, Boys are wild. They, they think are. they're so they funny when they're naked. Are. Why? Why do they think they're so funny yes. when they're naked? It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Shoot. And y'all give me a shout out if you're out there, you know, potty training your children in the naked oh. fashion. I learned this from another parent. I didn't do this with Levi, but I learned it from another parent and it is successful. So if this <gasps> has been your strategy. I hope so. After all that working. you've paid professionally, I hope it's successful. <laughs> Very successful. Praise the Lord. <laughs> oh. What was the title of that conference? Imperfectly something. Imperfectly <laughs> Perfect Parenting. I mean, could it be any it's, more perfect? So you guys feel free to join so us fitting. if you need some help <laughs> there you go i mean so fitting it is it's too good it's too good i love mm-hmm. it i love it it is okay i um also in the realm of all things children you guys i had a um bit of a bit of a flub up this week <sighs> you did <clears throat> you really did i'm not proud of it i recently joined a club that i have never wanted to be a part of and i may never in my life would i want to be associated with what i've done and now will always be a part of my story and it is this mm-hmm. while at a memorial i might have asked a beautiful lady when she was due and she was not pregnant mm. and i just want to say there's no going back from that people there's no recovery there is will ever there is undo. no recovery. I tried complimenting her on her string of pearls. No. I tried telling her her children were beautiful. I tried no. many things. And so I immediately texted Ashley in all caps everything that I had done. <laughs> Into which she promptly just texted back LOL. And I was like, that's not helpful. <laughs> <laughs> and I also said, I hope you never have to see her again. <laughs> oh, you did say that. And then I said, oh, it's my husband's cousin. <laughs> <laughs> so mean, i will see her again guys, in fact i saw her later that yes, day which was a great mm-hmm. it was great it was great i just mm. i do have to say i had a friend who when you she never was do that flight, either like you never do this oh it's so not never. me also not at all i like really thought right like i wouldn't uh-huh. go there unless i was really sure uh-huh. and i wasn't apparently 100 uh-huh. sure but mm-hmm. I do have to say this one thing. It is so fabulous. One of my friends, while well, she was boarding a flight, who she listens to this podcast, she was, and I believe, like, the the flight checker inner person, whatever yes. they're called, <laughs> was like, oh, um, did you want to board early since you're pregnant? <laughs> and she was not pregnant. See. And that girl got the red. I would have. <laughs> well, she's like, I'm not pregnant. And that man was so mortified they bumped her up to like business class and she got like a meal and everything like she ended up getting this like really five-star red carpet treatment so i mean i am not able to offer that because i was no you're not flight attendant no but i will send a starbucks card i i'm gonna send a starbucks card because i just 
I just can't even imagine being in that moment and being like, hey, nope, this is who I am. Like, I just, I did that to someone. I made somebody feel like that. And I, mm-hmm. I got to undo it with a caramel macchiato. <clears throat> Moving yes. on. Yes. Oh, man, Tiffany. Guys, we I'm, just got to keep so it real. Sorry. We got to keep it real out here. Ashley's kids we are naked. All kinds of mistake. I know, comment on people who aren't pregnant. This is who we are. You are seeing <laughs> the real Ashley and Tiffany. <laughs> Not our shining moments, guys. Not. Please um, write in and tell us, what have you done this year that was utterly regrettable? That's what we need to know. Like, what did you do that you regret doing that you're like, I can't believe I said that. I can't believe I did that. We need to know, okay? Because 2020 is a dumpster fire of things we, we regret. You guys, when Ashley shared with me the mishap while she was filming it, which she also said, by the way, I will not refilm this, which was also the best part of the whole thing. Uh-huh. She said. Correct. I, I replied to her, this makes up for every bad thing in 2020. <laughs> Knowing this happened, guys, we need happiness. We need joy. We mm-hmm, need just we those do. little random things that make you smile. I mean, I was hyperventilating. Yeah. I was laughing so hard when I first discovered this. <laughs> so I just want to say, anything that makes you laugh that hard, I welcome it. I welcome it. I agree. I do Let too. Let it be. Let we it be. We need that in our lives. Mm-hmm. Oh, my goodness. Well, you guys, so our topic today is one that Tiffany came up with, which I think is so brilliant because it really is a time to reflect on our fundamental values. And when we reflect on our fundamental values, we can also see the good in other people because we we grow in our capacity to understand them. We grow in our capacity to um, know why they are the way they are and why they make the decisions they make because we're better attuned to why we do what we do and why we decide what we decide. And so today's topic on faith and politics is why do you think like that though? Because have you ever just been on the Facebook or in your faith community or in a mommy group or at your school or on your job and just thinking, why do you think like that though? Like how did mm-hmm. you how did you arrive at this conclusion? How did you make this decision? Why is your worldview like that? I think we've all done more of that in the last four years, potentially, than we have in a very, very long time in our history. And so I think what's good about that is that we are forced to either grow in polarization and divisiveness, or we are forced to really practice loving neighbor and loving each other and discovering, you know, who we really are and who others are and how we can, you know, arrive at a place where we are building bridges instead of burning them, unless it just needs to be burned down. Because don't they sometimes, don't the bridges Mm -hmm. just sometimes need to go Mm -hmm. up in flames? They do. But at the then same it time, lights the way for the new yes, path. I mean, come on. You know, it really does. Mm-hmm. That wrote itself. Good job, Tiffany. But I also think it's good for us to grow in understanding but still hold our conviction. And so, Tiffany, why don't you tell us, like, what spurred this idea and what you've been thinking about? Yeah, I have been thinking about just what Ashley said, the rhetoric on Facebook, the signs you're seeing outside, also just the hit pieces that are coming in the mail from right. political opponents trying to undercut yes. their yeah their opponent, and I saw Rich Velotis. He's a pastor um, in the New York City area, and he posted on Instagram about a faith and politics series that he's doing at his church. And I was so inspired when he showed just this picture of an iceberg, and it, the the top ten percent was my vote, and then it talked about the ninety percent underneath it. What's informing that beneath the surface? Yeah, and he covered eschatology, Christendom fear, our vision of a flourishing world, underlying trauma, how we're swayed by iconic faith. Uh, This iconic faith is the appropriation of Christian symbols and language for political use, socially distorted caricatures of people we disagree with. So all of those things, and of course, just family of origin, right? Everything we experience there. 
all forming how we vote as adults. And sometimes we just see the end result of how people vote. But if we could step back and compassionately take in the wide swath of their whole life and experience in life, then I think we can really begin to understand where people are coming from. And it's really valuable when we go to the polls. So we wanted to break that down and talk about that. Like, you know, there is a lot of focus on Israel right now. There, And then other folks are focused on... um, neighborliness and closing the borders and so everybody's focus is so varied of what's driving them and knowing okay well how are they interpreting the scriptures to get where they are today in addition i think of so much of the fear of the other side yeah there's just this innate fear of what we don't know mm-hmm. and underneath that fear i think if we're willing to just sit and listen and learn There's so much to gain. And it's long been known, the best political um, rhetoric, the best way to undercut your opponent is incite fear, right? It works, it works, it works, it works. It starts wars. Um, It causes such division, fear. I think even, you know, I think of Samaria. I think of how Jesus took the time to go through Samaria and the low-grade fear the disciples had, like, no, we don't do that. Like, we don't go there. That's the other side, So right? true. There and they were disciples of Jesus. Fear. That's yes. so true. Yes, they were mm-hmm. with the King of Kings. Come on. Whether fully realized or not. And just that fear yes. of the other, right? Yeah. The fear of the other. Yeah. So I think that there's – it's not a new concept, is it? But it's something right. that really is at play. Yeah. And then, so what, what sticks out to that, to you, Ashley, even in just those of, um, just understanding of even how we've decided this is a Christian nation. Totally. Right? Oh, this is what our founding fathers wanted. This is a Christian nation right. and stepping back, like what goes through your head? Yeah. So, I mean, well, I think about the founding fathers and I'm like, well, think about Thomas Jefferson, who was a full throttle humanist and he actually, um, you know, didn't fully ascribe ascribe to anything Christian related whatsoever. I mean, he was Mm. a secular humanist. And so when I think about the broad stroke that we like to give the founding fathers, it's it's disturbing to me, frankly. And I know a lot of that rhetoric is just inherited through history, through whatever church you might have been a part of. I didn't grow up in a church that preached that kind of message. So the first time I heard it, I was maybe like mid-20s and it made no sense to me. I was like, what? They weren't all Christian. Like, what are we really doing here? They own slaves. Like, what are we we doing here? Why are we Mm -hmm. doing this? And when I think about Christendom, you know, it's really interesting at our church, we're doing a series on Jesus, power and politics, which I would, I'll put it in the show notes for you guys, the yes. interview they did last week. It was with our pastor in Toledo and um, a professor who has a whole bunch of degrees. He's brilliant. He's a research analyst and his name is Christian Gonzalez Ho. And him and his wife run a bunch of courses that teach people about culture, teach people about politics, teach people about faith. And he talked about this idea of Christendom and he shared about the time when Constantine decided to make Christianity the national religion. And what that actually did to Christianity was destroy the witness because it no longer had to flourish in any kind of circumstances. And then they tried to, you know, basically legislate onto people Christendom. And so this, yeah. when when you were talking about Rich Viotas, you know, writing about this, you know, the, th- the theology where the goal is to make a place a more Christian nation, to me, that type of yoking 
of the faith is very scary because I think it makes it difficult to love neighbor. And it's interesting on the chart that he you know, set up, which we'll also link to in the show notes, he has that beneath socially distorted caricatures of people I disagree with. <laughs> and so, mm. because, you know, it's much easier when you're like, oh, we're, the goal is to make a Christian nation. Anybody in the way of that is my enemy, is doing the wrong thing, is not right in their theology, is not, you know, is is hurting our cause. They're they're against us. They're not for us. And so we sort of begin to, to set up the socially distorted caricatures, which is the second thing that stood out to me that you shared, because we talked a little bit about this in abortion in our in our talk about abortion um and and why pro birth is not enough and i think that we do that we do that with poverty like we make these yeah, gross assumptions of poverty. right like who's poor mm-hmm. and some people immediately think of a skin color they immediately think of a nationality they immediately think of you know whatever and and typically when you look at the statistics across america you recognize none of that is true like none of these Correct. statistics line Correct. up that caricature is not even a little bit true like the the vast amount of people on, you know, welfare and government assistance in America are um, are Caucasian people. The people who receive the most food stamps and the most government benefits are Caucasian people. <laughs> so it's like you mm. never hear that narrative in the news right. ever. And right. most people are thinking when they talk about taxes and when they, you know, assume that they're going to vote a certain way because of, you know, p- wages and pay. And I'm just like 145 million people in America are in poverty. One third of the country lives at or below the poverty line. Man. So this is not like this Republican Democrat issue. This is like an American problem. And I think yeah. when we do Christendom and when we socially, you know, distort caricatures of people we disagree with and mm-hmm. what we do is we divorce ourselves from the reality of what's true and then we begin to you know pretend as if our way or I, I our idea about a politician or a party is correct and it hinders us from seeing like neither one of them have this right <laughs> nobody is the correct. christian party and nobody's doing a great job here so can we just like reflect on the reality of who we really are what our country really is made up of and how we can work together for the greater good oh sister yes I am, I endorse that message. I endorse that <laughs> message. That was some, oh, I couldn't have said it better. I'm truly so powerful. Moving on, I think as we have that in mind, right, that social distortion, yeah. when we think of a flourishing world, I think that narrative of, of like, well, each man for themselves or how can we spread this out and help everyone, right? So those are kind of, we always like to say that this is boiled down to these two. And I think that there's more nuance there and there's more complexity there. And I think that this idea of a flourishing world, yes, taking personal responsibility and reaching that handout. I hate to, I hate to sound trite and bring up the Proverbs 31 woman, but it just comes to mind the way she took care of her family and the way she served those in her community equally i think it's just such a beautiful picture yeah understanding that these are my kids those are all i'm gonna love these others like they're my kids too i'm gonna love the people in my community like they're my family too so finding room in our lives to have this both and idea Mm -hmm. of a flourishing world we can make room for that i believe it i absolutely believe we can make room for what does it look to take personal responsibility to flourish and to do our best and to and to serve and to yeah. be a upright citizen, but also to serve those who did not start out with what we started out with in this world. Yeah. It's it's just this goes back to this idea we cannot expect others to reach the heights 
if they haven't had the ladder we had, if they hadn't had the opportunities or the resources that we have had, Mm -hmm. it's just impossible. Mm -hmm. It's absolutely impossible to have those same expectations without what? Resourcing them and helping be part of that answer. I totally agree. And that goes back to, you know, we've talked a little bit about this in other episodes, even unrelated to faith and politics, because it's something we're very passionate about, which is, you know, adopting critical thinking and reflection time for ourselves. Because I think sometimes we are not as attuned to as in tune with what we listen to with what we're consuming and how it is shaping our mind and how it is shaping Mm -hmm. what we think. And it really does take an extra step of reflection, an extra step of research, an extra step of going, where did I get this information? Why do I think the way that I think? Why do I think this about a particular people group? And sometimes it needs even further reflection because we might even have friends who are part of that people group, but in real life, we're thinking to ourselves, oh, we think this way about immigrants, or we think this way about, you know, this group of people, or we think this way about women who do these things. And and we might have a friend in real life who has done one of those things or who represents that skin color or that people group. And at the same time, we're not thoughtfully reflective about how we're broad stroking the yep. whole group. And so it takes a lot more work and thoughtfulness, but isn't that who we're supposed to be as believers? Aren't we supposed to be cultivating a love for neighbor, a love for the person who doesn't look like us, a love for the person who doesn't think like us? And that is so important. And I want to say here too that, you know, sometimes we think, you know, that we are exempt from this. Like I didn't realize that one of the, one of the, the biggest biases I had in my life, like the person that I would have thought with my other was my other, and I don't know a a better way to say this, but just was, um, you know, upper class or very, very rich um, white people. And it sounds so strange to say as a white person, like, how do you carry a bias against your own people? But where I was, um, how I was raised, you know, as as a person who didn't have a lot of means or resources in the South, like, because of that, I didn't know, like, I was raised to be very suspicious of people with a lot of money and a lot of education, because they were always, we were taught to think that they were always trying to hustle us, or that they were always trying to make a dollar off of us, or that we would always be the help. That's kind of how we were conditioned to think. So there was this hatred that had grown in me for people who mm-hmm. had a lot of wealth and had a lot of resources and who were Caucasian in America because I assumed that they were always the perpetuator of everything. Now systemically could there be a little bit of truth to that? Yes, but the reality is there are so many people who yeah. have upper class, you know, ridiculous wealth and resources who are doing incredible good with it. I've seen people yeah. pay off mortgages. I've seen people pay off people's taxes. I've seen people be so generous with organizations and with their voices and with their advocacy and with the higher levels of um, living that they have access to. I've seen them do so much good. And so I think I want to just remind us that no matter where we are, we have a bias and we have Mm -hmm. things that have happened to us that were hurtful when we were younger or things that have happened to us that were hurtful in our teenage years or in our young adult years or at the job that we have. And so I think it's just important for us to really pull back and go, why do I think this? And Lord, will you help me not carry any any sort of hatred for a person or a caricature of a person um, that you love? So God, would you just help me? And that doesn't mean that we stop speaking the truth. It doesn't mean that we stop saying when things are wrong or when things happen that are bad. We need to speak up like 100%. You know, we're for that. But at the same time, we have to be asking God all the time, you know, what what hatred of, it, of my enemy lives in me? What hatred of another person lives in me? God, what trauma has informed the way I think about the world. You know, and Lord, what is your vision of a flourishing world? Because I have my ideas, but I bet yours are better. <laughs> so God, yeah. would you show me what's yeah. your vision for a flourishing world? Yeah. And how can I participate in the work that you're already doing in the world, God? Help me. 
Um, a couple things come to mind. First, the the temptation to allow anecdotal examples become come the rule. on. And Woo! I had a conversation recently with somebody wow. who they were like, "Well, somebody said this to me, and they thought I did this to them because I'm white and they're of another color, and mm-hmm. I, they, they that's how those people think." And I was like, "Whoa, wow. whoa, 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 whoa!" This one tiny three minute exchange happened. Wow. Therefore, that whole people group thinks like that. Th- that's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. So I just th- this. And of course, we are so tied to our experiences, right? It's yeah. how we see the world. But if we can invite reason in, invite logic yeah. in, and invite yes. facts in, I think yes. that that gives us a better understanding. And I also want to touch on, um, you briefly said how media or what we're consuming plays into our thoughts and beliefs about others. Yeah. And I think about yes. how... Before 2001, there wasn't the plethora of movies that we have today where Arab or South Asians were the enemy. Right. They were the terrorist or they were the antagonist in some way, shape, or form. And then how that has been just bolstered in the last 20 years because of what our nation has experienced. And so what that has done to Arab and Desi families and communities in America has been outrageously painful, outrageously painful. So something, again, we, this did happen in our, you know, collective history and and understanding that most of us who are listening right now, we remember where we were during September 11th, 2001. We remember this, this affected thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But of the thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are brown and appear Arab or Desi, Desi meaning South Asian, um, in America, they became the other overnight. Overnight they became the other. And if you think of even, you know, well before um, 2001, you think of how our black brothers and sisters have been portrayed in media um, if they have been the antagonist or right. they have been the troublemaker or, you know what I'm saying, from yeah. ads to to movies to yeah. music videos, you fill in the blank. How is yes. that people group being portrayed in a way that is not of God, yeah. that a way is not, that does not bear his image? So I think when yes. we allow those images, and I, I am, you know, just our family makeup, we are outrageously aware of uh, some of these yeah. things that might our kids might be exposed to. Um, and I encourage all of us as adults, be aware of what you're allowing yourself to believe about somebody who is other and how that could seep in to your belief and understanding of those people in real life. Yeah. You know, d- this is just, I'm sure we all know this, but I think it um, bears repeating bear saying out loud is the way that political campaigns target their ads that incite fear during particular yes. shows right whether yeah. it's ncis or whether it's totally gray's anatomy or law whether it's uni- law and order <laughs> yep all so of true. their political ads that play during shows where yeah. you're gonna hear fictional stories yes. about people and events that happened in the yep. world so I yep. think just being able to see how am I shaped, how am I formed, 
um, one thing I want to read that, again, um, Rich posted. Thank you, Rich, for inspiring this episode of yeah, Wargo. Yeah, he is amazing. We will tag you a ton. <laughs> yes, totally. And a little promo. He's got a new book out. Go yes. get it, people. The Go Deeply Formed Life. And he mm. is one of the most thoughtful, gifted leaders. Yes. And he is fair on every side. And even mm-hmm. as a pastor, he has so many people in his church of all faiths and all political beliefs. And so I think it's important to know that. So as he's teaching, he's loving his whole flock. Like he is a beautiful pastor. Sorry, Tiff, keep going. <laughs> oh, no. And I love, I love one time, Ashley, you mentioned that New York City is like a mini America because you yeah, have all of these ideologies represented in like <laughs> four miles, you know, yes. four square miles. Yes. It's, it's wild. Yes. Learning to live together. He said this, the, the domino effect of political enmeshment. To critique a political leader is to critique the party I align with. To critique the party is to critique the values I hold dear. To critique the values I hold dear is to critique my vision of a flourishing world. To critique my vision of a world that flourishes is to critique my understanding of God. To critique my understanding of God is to critique me at my deepest center. Mm. So when we think of, why do you think like that though? As we can understand the way people think, we can understand the way they see God the way they see others, the way they see love, forgiveness, reconciliation, equality, equity, justice, peace. We really get a peek into their soul. Yes. That's so true, Tiffany. And I think that I love that he lays out the domino effect of political enmeshment like this, because I think we really do need to understand that when we decide to align ourselves, like our whole selves and all of our values and all of our convictions with the political party, this is the result. And how silly when you look at it like this, how silly would it be for somebody to critique my political party and and for me to feel like my understanding of God and my whole self is at the center of that critique? Like, if you really stop and think about that how silly how silly and so we don't have to align everything that we think and believe with political parties and we don't have to align everything we think and believe with the the group that we're a part of or the people that we belong to it's important for us to be able to think for ourselves and to think like god and he gives us the capacity through the holy spirit to learn how he thinks and to do what he does and to live like he lives and love how he loves like we have the holy spirit we have grace at work in our lives empowering us to do these things and so Guys, we love you, and we're so thankful to be able to do this with you, this Faith in Politics series. And I hope it's been a blessing. I hope it's helping you think um, differently. I hope it's helping you love your family members that are difficult to love right now and love the people in your faith community who might be difficult to love right now or even people on your job, on the Facebook, all the places, okay? Well, we're thinking about you. We're in this with you, and we look forward to another episode next week. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. Hey listeners, remember to subscribe and comment. It helps others to find the show. To learn more about Tiffany's writing, speaking, or books, visit tiffanybloom.com. To learn more about Ashley's writing, speaking, or books, visit ashabercrombie.org. See you next week.